Hey there, welcome to the Open Door Podcast. It's been a while since we posted anything. Today, though, uh, we're going to post last Sunday's sermon. It was Ascension Week last week. I think that was on Wednesday, Ascension Day. And this sermon is on the scripture reading for Wednesday, for Ascension Day. It feels kind of sad that we skip over our... Uh, ascension lectionary passages um, so we didn't do that this year and uh, this sermon is on the ascension of Jesus something that I think we skip over a lot and that's kind of what the sermons about so I hope you enjoy it this was from our zoom worship which is um, kind of having you know fewer people joining it still a decent number but fewer people joining it as we Uh, as a church begin worshiping in person again right now at Garfield Community Farm at 9 a.m. So if you were at farm worship, you didn't hear this. So this is a great opportunity to hear uh, the preached uh, word um, that we did at 1030 on Zoom. Here you go. So our scripture for today is uh, the very beginning of Acts. We've been focusing in on Acts, the the lectionary passages from the book of Acts um, over the past few weeks, um, primarily, basically since Easter, I think. And today's passage takes us right to the beginning of the book of Acts. And uh, what we're going to focus in on is... Uh, the ascension of Jesus that happens here in Acts chapter one. Um, We celebrated, well, maybe we celebrated, or maybe we completely uh, didn't even realize it happened (laughs) on Wednesday was uh, the day of the ascension. And we're going to talk about the fact that most of us probably had that day come and go and didn't realize it was ascension day. Uh, in the church, a a major church feast that, well, really, we don't focus on very much. But it happens here in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. So I'll go ahead and read this. You can follow along. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
while he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven. Suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God for it. We're going to focus in on this idea of this, such an important idea of the ascension. But I was also reminded in reading this passage, oddly reminded, maybe at first thought, of the incarnation. Have you ever thought that in most Christian circles, the birth of Jesus is like little more than a mode of transportation to get Christ into the world? It had to happen so that the passion of Christ and the work of Christ and the, you know, Christ's resurrection could eventually happen. But really, the birth of Jesus, it, the incarnation is kind of just a mode of transportation. And the ascension of Jesus, the feast we celebrated Wednesday, is just an afterthought, another mode of transportation to get Christ back into heaven. Today, I'm going to make an argument otherwise, that those two things are extremely important to our theology. I'm going to put some ideas out there that are absolutely fundamental to why I'm a Christian, why after all these years of struggle to make sense of life and struggle to make sense of faith and Jesus and God, for me, this Christian message still compels me to faith. It has so much to do with the incarnation and with the ascension of Jesus. So often we gloss over the ascension. I think we do this because I mean, it's hard to grasp it. It's hard to fully even believe it. It's pretty crazy, right? The Christian theology of, of Jesus's resurrection is fundamental to our faith. And I think the ascension needs to be too. On Easter, I shared the idea that the resurrection is revealed every day all around us through the creation. Death and resurrection is in God's design of creation. There's no life on earth without death. I think the resurrection of Jesus is this quintessential act of God that is mirrored throughout the creation. Jesus is the only, uh, the only death that we know of that uh, resulted in the resurrection of the same uh, the same person um, back to life. But this death and resurrection happens all throughout nature. There it would be no Garfield community farm without compost, right? The death of some things give new life, um, literal life um, to the rest of the garden. Every year we have that cycle. And it's a reminder to us of Jesus' resurrection. But what is the ascension all about? And why is it important to our understanding of God 
and of creation? That's our question for today. I have to admit that the idea that a man could come back to life after days in a grave is really hard to believe. But throughout creation, we see it mirrored. We, we see that hope uh, being mirrored to us by God in the way that God created all things. Resurrection is how life works. Nothing on planet Earth, as I said, would be alive without the death and and resurrection uh, of that death. Creation reflects resurrection. The ascension of Jesus is just as important to our theology, our understanding of Jesus and of God, but it might be even harder to believe than this, uh, this idea of resurrection, this, our theology that Jesus rose from the dead the ascension might be even harder to really understand and to get. I mean, did a man really float up into the sky and continue to sit on a throne somewhere up there uh, 2,000 years later? I mean, are there flesh and bones of Jesus Christ somewhere just like my flesh and bones? That's what happened right in the story that's hard to believe and that is okay and i want you to be intelligent uh thinking people thinking people of faith so it's okay to say that's a tough one and i don't get it i don't understand it but let's see what god's gonna do with it so we can't ignore the ascension. I think if we ignore the ascension because it's hard, then we lose so much. We lose so much. So what do we do then? Well, for many of us, we can only find the deepest meaning in our faith when we're able to let go of whether things are literal or symbolic or something in between. Their faith is having open hands to uh, to those questions that are hard and those solid answers of literal or symbolic or something in between. So we come to faith with open hands. For me, the ascension is absolutely essential to my faith. But the literal floating of Jesus's body to heaven, well, I can hold that loosely because I have faith that the meaning of that event that something happened and the meaning of that event is so important. The scriptures hold this, this mystery, even within the story. There's a reason that a cloud comes around Jesus. There's a reason the disciples didn't describe where Jesus went. They didn't even see where he went because the cloud envelops in this passage, envelops Jesus. And so there's mystery right there built into the story. We're not supposed to have all the solid, literal answers to what happened here. This is way beyond that, way beyond our ability to have those solid answers. So what I want to do right now, just for a moment here, is take a moment to pray. So wherever you are, um, in your house, with your family, with your kids, by yourself, 
outside, inside, wherever you are, I invite you to, to practice this open hand idea. So we're going to open your palms, face up, maybe close your eyes if you're comfortable, and let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, open our eyes. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, open our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, open our minds. We can sit with that for a moment. The ascension of Jesus demonstrates human flesh and bones united to God in heaven. That is a big deal. Just like the incarnation demonstrates the unity of God and creation. So, kind of thinking God, heaven, coming down to earth unity. The theology of the ascension does the same thing, but in the opposite direction. And that, to me, is such good news. The creation is you united to God um, in, in an upward movement. The unity between humanity and all of creation and the divine happens through the ascension. So this, the ascension is inherently non-dualistic. Maybe you've heard that word before. Maybe you haven't. Christianity has always been influenced by dualistic philosophy. In most basic terms, Dualism is the idea that our bodies and all physicality is one type of being and our minds or our souls are another. That those two things are two different types of being and they are separate and one can exist without the other. And oftentimes in Christianity, one is good and one is not good, but early Hebraic theology was largely monistic, meaning only one thing. There, there wasn't this idea of two types of being. There was only one type of being in early Hebrew theology. But as Christianity developed, the idea that humans might have an eternal soul developed. And even before Christianity, that was kind of, that was forming. For Christianity, an overly dualistic view of creation has weighed heavy on us, leaving us with theology that elevates the soul as that which will live forever in a non-corporeal heaven and all physicality, all physical reality as temporary and therefore very much less important. Non-dualism brings those things back together in unity. It doesn't erase the fact that there are two things, but it doesn't set them apart from one another. 
I think that is um, a, a more Christian way of thinking. Okay, here's why dualism is such a big deal to me. Western Christianity has elevated the soul and our quest to get to heaven so high that the earth we live on has been deemed largely unimportant at, at, at our worst in Christianity. The physical world is only a testing ground, right? For, our, for that one day when we will get to go to heaven or for those health and wealth gospel people, uh, it's a playground for them, the, all of creation, a playground and for uh, a, a prepping place um, that, that, that preps you for eternity. I think the, the state of our world right now is the result of this dualistic thinking that physical is not as important as spiritual. We have ignored the ascension when the stuff of this world, when matter, all that God created, um, is deemed less. In the body of Jesus, we know that uh, physicality is united to God in heaven. The bookends of Jesus's story shatter this dualistic theology. The bookends are the incarnation and the ascension. God became flesh and did not despise his physical body, but fully lived in it. And Jesus, the man, eventually united that flesh and bone with heaven and with God. This is non-dualism. This is the theology of the ascension. Non-dualism is the idea that all things are united and connected. For Christians, this means that God created all things very good. For Christians, this means that all of creation, including our souls and our minds and everything physical, all of it finds connection and wholeness through unity, through connectedness, not through separation. Genesis 1 might be our biggest example of of non-dualistic theology. All of creation finds its very goodness at the end of chapter one, after all things are created and God looks at all of it, not at all of its separateness, but looks at all of it, including humanity at the end of the sixth day. I talk about this all the time. The end of the sixth day, God looks at it all in its wholeness and calls it all very good. Not in its separateness, at, like at the end of day one, two, three, four, five, God points out the goodness of each individual thing, but at the end of the sixth day, it's in its wholeness that it's elevated beyond goodness to very goodness. I think we know this, we feel this, we live this. The idea that all of creation is holy ground, united to God, created by God and even acting as a container of the divine mystery. I'm proposing to you today that the bookends 
of the Jesus story demonstrate that we are not heretics in feeling this connection, but are in fact as orthodox as you can get. The incarnation, God made flesh, and the ascension, flesh united to God, are inextricable from the salvation story. Non-dual approaches to seeing the world help us see the unity of all things, even as we also appreciate the distinctiveness of our differences, we also know the unity found through God. The universe reveals this. Science reveals this, that at one point, all of it was in this uh, tiny, minuscule point of being that exploded Scientists call it the Big Bang that exploded everything into being, all of it united in one point. That's beautiful and mysterious and demonstrates the unity of all things. The incarnation and the ascension are like bookends of the life of Jesus and of our Christian theology. But what's within the narrative of that shelf of books of Jesus's life is also just as important. We don't want to let go of everything else that happens in between. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus takes on a whole new meaning when we know the unity of the physical and spiritual is the ultimate purpose. The ascension is so important because through it we know that the physical is cared for by God and loved by God, that our bodies are good enough for God. Everything God has created was united to God through the ascension. All creation is integrated, connected, united, and loved. We ascend to God through the ascension of the body of Christ. So maybe, maybe you only hear one thing today, and I hope it's this. The good news of Jesus Christ is that all things are redeemed and united to Christ. This truth is made known through the ascension of Jesus, when the physical creation was united to the heavenly God. You, in every aspect of your flesh and blood and earthly struggles, your quirks, the things that make you you, the things that you want to change about yourself and the things that you love about yourself, all of it is accepted and loved by God. You're even revealed to be holy and sacred through the redemptive work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know this through our theology and our understanding of the ascension. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. We thank you that you love us, that you lift us up in some 
mysterious way that we can't put our finger on, that we can't quite understand, that you lift us up, that you raise us up, that you unite us to Christ. And we know this because of the ascension, that there is nothing unholy about us, that you forgive our sins, you wipe them completely away. And we are made holy because of Jesus. Pray that you would help us to know that, not just say it and talk about it and remember it, but to know it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, at this time, we're going to take a moment and um, you can get some bread and some juice after thinking about the ascension. The best response is to take communion. So we're going to do that. Take a moment um, to get some bread and some juice in your home and come back to your screen as soon as you're ready. Oh,